Dr. Marketing Tips, paging Dr. Marketing Tips. Dr. Marketing Tips, you're needed in the marketing department. Welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast, your prescription to the answers you seek to grow your medical practice easier, better, and faster. This show is all about connecting practice administrators and medical marketing professionals with peers working in practices, learning from experiences, making mistakes, and sharing successes. Let's get started. Hey there. Welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast. I am Jennifer. And I'm Corey. And today we want to talk about something that um, some of us might be paying attention to and some of us might be thrilled that this actually is getting brought up in a podcast episode because you need to be paying attention to it. And that is ADA compliance. So in a landmark lawsuit, the first of its kind to make it to, to trial, actually, a Florida federal judge ruled in favor of a blind man who alleged that the Winn-Dixie Company website violated the American with Disabilities Act, the ADA Act. And there's more cases on the way. The fact is that the plaintiff in the Winn-Dixie case um, filed some 70, as in 70, similar lawsuits against companies in the state of Florida, making headlines nationally and making website accessibility and ADA compliance a hot issue. Um, in fact, I did some research recently, and it says that more than the the, est- the, the estimate was that more than 2,000 website ADA compliance lawsuits were expected to be filed by the end of the year in 2018. That's up from 700 that were filed in 2017, um, with California, New York, and Florida leading the charge on these lawsuits. And um, you know. Some of you might be saying, well, why in the world is all of this happening? And I did a little more research, and there's a Forbes article that talks about how the Department of Justice back in 2010 said they were going to review and release some rules that businesses could follow um, related to ADA compliance and your website, but they haven't actually released those rules. And so since there's no actual rule book for businesses to turn to for ADA compliance, what's been happening is a bunch of lawsuits have been getting filed, which is what we're seeing these last couple of years. And therefore the rules are being made through a patchwork of judicial decisions And those judicial decisions and kind of that piecemeal approach is leading to this onslaught of litigation. And so what you'll hear from um, from groups that focus on um, bringing awareness to Americans with disabilities, they will file lawsuits or attorneys will file lawsuits on their behalf really to bring the issue to light more so than like a recovery of damages or something like that. And so you're seeing these last couple of years, attorney fees, because you um, attorneys can recoup their dollars in these ADA compliance um, cases, attorney fees upward of $100,000 in certain instances that small businesses, which includes our listeners, um, can be on the hook for, for ADA compliance um, violations. And so, Corey, you and I had, you know, kind of had this ADA compliance episode on the back burner for a while. And it really came to the front burner for me recently, um, just a couple months ago. I think you said we had a client that came to you talking about this, but I had a, um, a friend of mine who is a um, the property appraiser um, 
over at, I'm sorry, not the property appraiser, the supervisor of elections over in Seminole County, Florida. And he got slapped with the lawsuit for his website um, because it wasn't accessible. It wasn't ADA compliant. And then there's some accessibility issues for the blind on his website. And so that local government has been jumping through hoops. I know recently trying to get themselves up and running from an ADA compliant standpoint. So I think it's a really applicable conversation for us to have and to come up with the right kind of notes and tools that our practices that um, are both our listeners and the practices that we work with can run their websites through these ADA compliance tools to see if they are up to snuff. Because I will tell you straight up that if you're a business and you are perceived to have pockets that are even mildly deep, you are wide open as a target for these kind of, I don't want to call them frivolous lawsuits because these are important issues that are important to bring up to the public and it's good to make improvements all around, but they are frivolous lawsuits. When you look at the fact that these are small businesses employing people, just trying to be in business and it'd be one thing to point something out and for a business to correct it. But it's another thing when you take them to court and then you have to pay a hundred thousand dollars in attorney fees. So Corey, why don't we talk about first about, you know, what, what it means to be ADA compliant, how this whole thing came into effect, and then what practices and our listeners can do to make sure they're ADA compliant moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> ADA compliance basically came into force in uh, 1990, and it's really kind of picked up steam lately, as you sort of alluded to there in the intro. Uh, and essentially, the, the law forbids any public serving institution from discriminating against people with disabilities. So where the private sector is concerned, that's you know small businesses and the like, um, they have to meet certain requirements. And then what we're seeing now is that this protection extends to the company website as well, which is, uh, as we know, some medical practices have websites that are quite old and outdated. And, and those are the websites I think that are really sort of um, potential targets for these type of lawsuits. Yeah, and I think it's it's important to point out that um, the ADA Act focuses on those businesses that have 15 or more employees. Yes. So while I think it's a good thing for everybody to be thinking of, even if you only have two employees, um, the real focus is on those businesses with 15 or so employees. Yeah, and, and the, the focus is that those businesses with 15 or more employees on the website as well need to remove any what are called access barriers preventing someone with disabilities from accessing a company's product or services so essentially if you have over 15 people and you have an old website you're a target for this i think is what it kind of boils down to absolutely and i think i mean this can go as deep as like you know, the color of your website, the size of the fonts, so if things are going to run through voice software. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you should be paying attention to. Right, exactly. Um, actually, so I think, th so there's a pretty big list of guidelines that's available out there uh, on how the practice website can become ADA compliant. Uh, in the show notes for this episode, we've actually got some links up where you can actually click and you can see sort of these overview guidelines. And I wanted to run through a couple of them. Uh, so what you'll find is that you're going through here is that your website's probably up to snuff on, on a set amount of them. And then some of them are going to sound like they're out of left field and you're going to have to make some changes. So some aspects of the site 
maybe a bit more challenging to fix. But just real quick, I just wanted to highlight a few of them. So the text on your site needs to attain a minimum contrast ratio against the background, which basically means that it needs to be easy to read. So if you have a site that's a bunch of funky colors, you're technically not ADA compliant, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, your website should be completely, um, you should be able to navigate the website basically only by using the keyboard. So that can involve things like um, pressing the down arrow and having the page uh, you know, move down. Now most websites are gonna do that on their own. Most browsers will fix that, but if you have some sort of like crazy custom coded website, like we see sometimes a lot um, in the like, uh, like plastic surgery subspecialty, a lot of those websites, depending on how they're built and how old they are, they actually will disable some of the keyboard features. So technically that would not be ADA compliant. Um, the site needs to uh, be usable with screen reader software. So essentially that's, that's kind of a, a, a challenging process to test, but it, it involves similar steps as a keyboard navigation, essentially saying that um, you, you need to be able to access and read all of the content on the site with a screen reader. So that, that's everything that's on the site, including what's in the footer and on the contact pages and the um, privacy policies, some things you may not think about, patient forms, all of that. Um, your website should also be capable of processing text and scaling up to 200% without creating any sort of horizontal scrolling or content breaking layout issues. That's a crazy one because if you just think about that, so you essentially have to double the size of your website and have nothing break. So that's fun. Yeah, and some of that stuff is, I mean, it sounds really daunting, but I think that if you, for our listeners, you know, go check out the checklist. It's like 60 things that you need to adhere to. And I think the stuff that you're pulling out, Corey, are like the highlight ones. But I think yeah. definitely check check it your, you know, check your website against the 60 things. And then I believe there's even, you know, a couple of URLs that you can go to, pop your domain, you know, your URL into it and find out if, you know, almost like how Google does the mobile friendly test. I think it'll pop out and tell you if you are, you know, ADA compliant or what percentage that you're up in. So yeah. it, this sounds daunting, but it's not overwhelming. Yeah, and the thing to remember too, is that if you have a newer website, a lot of this stuff, uh, not everything that's on that checklist, um, but, but a lot of it's gonna be handled just from the fact that technology has sort of caught up. So if you, you know, on newer websites, they're called responsive, which means that they sort of change shape depending on what uh, what screen size they're being viewed on. So for example, if you have a newer website and you look at it on your phone, it's gonna look different than on your tablet, which is gonna look different than on your desktop. But each one, the text is going to scale accordingly. So that, that actually like checks off, you know, three of the 60 things as an example. So it just kind of depends. Yeah, and I, I just think it's something that our practices we work with need to be paying attention to, especially as we like are doing refresh and everybody's thinking about what to do for the new year, you know, updating your website and making sure that you're in compliance is a nothing but a good thing, you know? And so aside from the fact that this is gonna be a little time intensive and maybe a little scary for some practices, I think it's important to point out that it's not all bad when you have to go and um, focus on making some updates. There's some ways that you can really see it as a benefit to your practice. And then I go back to, you know, we had an example of um, an ENT practice that we were working with, you know, about a year and a half ago. I use this example a lot in my talks. And we had a patient reach out to us 
um, in a negative manner on social media, saying that the practice didn't care about um, individuals with disabilities and those individuals with hearing loss. And um, we use it as an opportunity to improve, um, use that as kind of, we've called it recently, the gift of feedback was the gift of allowing us to improve. And, you know, the the person was was dead on. The practice had video, and we lean into video a lot in our marketing efforts. We had video on social media and talking about some different things that were going on. But because this person was hearing impaired, they weren't able to hear what the video was saying, and they basically were slamming the practice for not providing captions. And we use that as a learning opportunity to go out there and make all of the videos for all of our practices that we work with ADA compliant and to be more sensitive to the fact that not everybody can hear the video. And we added captions and we did that now across the board. And it was just that opportunity, that feedback that we were provided allowed us to be thinking about it from a different side. So, you know, while, while this can be a frightening and, you know, an overwhelming task to tackle, I think there's some real benefits of ADA compliance. Yeah, definitely. I think um, that that's a great opportunity to kind of build that patient loyalty. Um, this was a potential patient, like you said, with disabilities, and um, we took the the uh, feedback, the gift of feedback, to improve, mm-hmm. and we've been better off for that. Um, I, I think you also can use ADA compliance as an opportunity to increase the target audience, uh, disabled people number over 50 million people in the U.S. So if you optimize your site for ADA compliance, that's going to drive some of those people through the front door, obviously. Um, And it it even may have an impact on SEO because search engines like Google will sort of reward websites with clear human intentions. And and if you do everything that's required on these lists, the search engines can pick up on some of those things and you may actually see an improvement, uh, an additional boost, if you will, based off of that. Absolutely. And then, you know, another another benefit is enhancing your reputation and building patient loyalty. Because when this woman um, reached out and, and really slammed the practice for not having, um, for not being sensitive to her hearing disability, we used it as an opportunity to improve. And now she's a raving fan to the point that we made sure to reach back out to her and say, look, because of your feedback, we went and made all these changes. And now, you know, Nine times out of 10, she not only is she going to tell other people, but she is a fan for life of this practice because of something that we should have, honestly, we should have been doing it all along and we just didn't have it on, on our radar. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a uh, marketing without spending a dime when you do it like that. So absolutely. It it's all about the patient experience and we need to be thinking about all patients and not just one or two segments of patients. Yeah. So how to get started. Um, there's a couple tools on, on the show notes you'll find on our website. Uh, one is essentially a list of what you can do to be ADA compliant. We've also um, got something called Lighthouse that generates reports on potential problems with your website. It'll spit back some of the, the major things that you need to change. Um, and we also have a, a contrast ratio calculator. So remember one of those things I was talking about earlier was the contrast ratio between the text and the background. So if you plug it into the calculator there, it will actually tell you uh, what your ratio is and and if it is ADA compliant or not. So these tools will help you identify some of the simple issues. And then from there, you can decide on next steps and how far you want to go down the rabbit hole here. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, the biggest takeaway is if you're thinking right now about redoing your website, then I would say ADA compliance should be top of mind. And if you've kind of been on the fence about redoing your website and you notice that there's some problems within your existing site, now is a perfect time to use ADA compliance to help those decision makers move you from, eh, we'll get to it next year to, yes, we'll get to it this year. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, I think with that, I'm Jennifer. I'm Corey. And we'll see you next time on the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the DrMarketingTips.com podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, check out DrMarketingTips.com for our podcast resource center with all the notes, links, and goodies we mentioned during the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our show, please consider pressing the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss one of our future episodes. And if you haven't given us a rating or review yet on iTunes, please find a spare minute and help us reach and educate even more of our medical practice peers. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Doctor's Orders.